a mother, a son, and a life with autism. It's the At Home with Autism podcast with Q102's Jen and Jacob. So a while back, I came across something that I hadn't looked at in a really long time. A book I wrote eight years ago when Jacob was 12. A book I never finished, a book that never got published, a book I have fully intended to go back to um, and finish <laughs> someday. Just, you know, I could come up with a hundred different reasons of why it hasn't happened. And in the end, the only reason is because I didn't do it. I chose to do other things in front of it for really good reasons. <laughs> Or at least I told myself at the time. Who knows? Who knows? You know, some people say, you know when it is the right time to do something. This inspiration hits you and you just go. Don't try to force it. Then you have other people that say, you know, when you're a writer, you've just got to sit down and write. And even when you're in a slump, it'll come. It'll come. It'll come. But you have to sit down and write. Now, why are my crystals? This is not a lie. That is the second time a crystal has just jumped out of the bowl. Which crystal was it? Oh, it's a blue kyanite. Huh. That's an interesting choice. It's clearing energy. How about that? (sighs) Okay. Back to the whole reason we're here to begin with, which is the At Home with Autism podcast. (laughs) And this book. I came across the book and I thought, you know, it might be fun because I haven't even picked it up and looked at it in a really long time to just go back and see where my head and heart was 12 years ago when, or eight years ago when Jacob was 12. That's how I'm randomly pulling some chat. Well, not randomly. I'm purposefully picking a couple here and there. Um, a couple of chapters that I would like to read. All right. So this is chapter 16 when Jacob was six. Jen, it's Janice, Terry's sister. She's gone. She's dead. It was six days before Christmas, and I was standing in the Macy's shoe department when I got the call. I walked to the car in a daze, and I don't remember the 20-minute drive home. I went in the house, told my aunt what had happened, and paced back and forth, stunned, wondering how I was going to tell everyone else what Terry had done. It was up to me to break the news. I had promised her sister that I would. Right after Jacob's diagnosis, I got to know Terry. She was the autism mom all of his therapists were telling me to talk to. She had a son just a little older than Jacob, and according to everybody, she had her stuff together. She and her husband were huge advocates for their boy. They knew who to talk to and how to maneuver the system. Plus, she was so positive and perky and well-dressed with nice hair and makeup, unlike most of us. She had another son. He was typical and a little older than her kid with ASD. He was so kind and helpful with his younger brother. Obviously a very sensitive and loving kid. By all appearances, she had the perfect family. A great marriage with a successful husband who owned his own business and was actively involved with his boys and they had a nice house in the suburbs. Terry's mom was very present in their lives and the kids adored her. Other than having to fight for services for her son, There was nothing to complain about. We became friends, and I became friends with some of her friends. She met some of the moms I knew, and before we knew it, we had our own little circle of autism moms who would get together, commiserate, share stories, have a few drinks, and have a good time. 
We all would watch her in amazement over how she seemed to have a handle on it all. In addition to her own family's issues, she was involved in all kinds of community work outside of autism. She fostered homeless pets and did volunteer work with horses. We never understood how she found the time. One Thanksgiving night, she got a call really late about a one-year-old little girl who needed immediate foster placement. The girl was born to an alcoholic heroin addict and had been diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome. Terry didn't hesitate. She took her in. Within a year, and with a little bit of a fight with the system, she and her husband would adopt this little girl, knowing full well with her history that they would likely be facing some challenges with her later on. At some point, things started to go terribly wrong. We began hearing stories from her about her marriage failing. She was also starting to really struggle with her son's autism and what to do with him. Suffice it to say, she was very stressed. All hell was breaking loose and she wasn't coping with it very well. Everyone in our circle was shocked. We couldn't believe that Terry's seemingly perfect life was not what it had appeared to be, at least not anymore. We saw her angry, inconsolable, incoherent, sobbing. We saw her drink a lot. We heard her say that she was going to die if things didn't work out. We never knew if her ramblings were just that or if she really meant it. We had calls and meetings without her to discuss what we could or should do to help her. I talked to her mom who she was living with and she was struggling so hard watching Terry suffer so much. She had been threatening to hurt herself. I reassured her that Terry was strong and that she'd be okay. There was one phone conversation I had with Terry's best friend where she flat out asked me if I thought we should have her committed. If that was even something we could do in the state of Ohio. Wouldn't commit one way or the other. I didn't know. I just didn't know. It was a matter of days after that phone call that I was standing in the Macy's shoe department with the news. Terry had hung herself with a belt in her mother's basement. She had placed pictures of her three kids in a window so they would be the last thing she saw. There was a place for her to put her feet down if she changed her mind. But she had made her decision, and she wasn't going back. I was devastated for her family, her mom, her husband, those innocent children. How would those kids ever understand this? And I felt so guilty. Why hadn't I seen just how dire the circumstances were? Why didn't I say, yes, let's take her somewhere and get her some help? Why didn't I do more? It was the middle of the day and most of our friends were at work when I started calling. I know when I broke the news that they felt the same way I did standing in Macy's. Shock, grief, disbelief. We all gathered at my house that night, and we just kind of sat around and looked at each other. We didn't know what else to do. Terry was the one of us autism moms who we all thought had everything under control. She was the one that knew what to do. She was the one we looked up to. She had it together. She wore lipstick all the time, damn it. She was what we aspired to be. And in a matter of months, her world had shattered, and it had become more than she could bear. And she ended it in the basement with a belt looking at pictures of her kids. If Terry couldn't handle it, how were we supposed to? I kept thinking. Jacob is only six. 
I'm managing now, but will this wear me down to the point where I'll want to hurt myself or even worse, hurt him? Am I really equipped to handle this? What if he doesn't get any better? Will it break me? Will I shatter? Will I snap? Will I realize that it's happening if I do? Will I be able to get the help I need? Will my friends place the call that I didn't when Terry needed help? It scared me. It scared all of us. It was 14 years ago. Wow. True story. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the At Home with Autism podcast. See you next time with Jacob.